0: inverse genius episode 15 and on that bombshell in this episode eric and don talk about the great show that is known as top gear and also its follow-up show the grand tour you can check out and support inverse genius at patreon.com slash obg we appreciate the listeners and the support thanks Hello and welcome to another episode of Inverse Genius, the podcast about everything that's not necessarily game-related that we want to talk about. I appreciate everyone coming by and listening. I'm your host, Eric Dewey. You can find me at ericdewey.com, where all kinds of interests are there. Uh, and you can also visit me on Twitter as Eric LaMastra. I do want to give a quick shout out to those who have uh, emailed us about recent episodes, especially the Bond one. Uh, it's always great to get some comments and feedback. So feel free to send any kind of questions you have or comments to uh, LLC at gmail.com. We can get those. That's good enough. <laughs> That's about all we
1: can do. We can get them. Or you, yeah, or you can call 856-OBG-DICE and leave us a voicemail if you want, and we will try and get it to the right place.
0: And, of course, that voice that you just heard is the amazing Donald Dennis. Well, hooray! Uh,
1: There are so many unamazing Donald Dennis's that I appreciate the qualifier. So so thank you very much.
0: Anytime, anytime. So we have come together to talk about a show or group of shows that has become incredibly influential to us. Uh, You know, originally, when we started the the podcasting kind of gig, uh, the... Twit network was kind of influential in how we were sort of wanting to do the show, and uh, if you listen to early episodes of Onboard Games, you'll occasionally hear John, uh, you'll occasionally hear Don refer to himself as the John Dvorak, and and that was a direct reference there. But uh, along the way. They lost their luster, or we lost their interest, and in, and I continued our show, and life was good. However, uh, a new show kind of came into our consciousness, and that really has driven sort of the the way that we work and our feedback back and forth. And that is what we're going to be talking about today.
1: Yes, we're going to be talking about the the three uh, the three amigos of power cars and poor decision making. Uh, the folks from Top Gear and now Grand Tour uh, of, what, uh, Jeremy Clarkson, uh, James May, and Hammond. Richard Hammond. Richard Hammond. Yep. And so, of course, we'll mention other folks from the shows and whatnot. But, so, I'm not a car guy, all right? I mean, when I was a kid, I was all into cars. My mom and dad thought that I was going to be really big into cars. I think it was basically because the the stocking I had had Santa Claus driving around in a car and I really liked my Hot Wheels. But you know, my last two cars, the one I have now and the previous one is a Ford Taurus, which tells you how much of not a car guy I am. Uh, not that I'll ever own another one after this, but you know, I guess if you're a car guy, you can't really own a Ford Taurus. No, probably not. Probably and not.
0: And I was kind of the same way. I did have my my teenage car obsession uh, started with watching Cannonball Run and discovering the beauty of the Lamborghini Countach. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that was the car that I was obsessed about, had lots of posters on the wall. Uh, and, but that was kind of the extent of it. I was, I was like you. I never, I never really got into, you know, tuning up cars or, or talking about cars. You know, they were, they were, they were kind of neat. And a lot of fun, and oh, wouldn't it be amazing if you could drive one of these super high-powered sports cars? But you know, who's gonna who's gonna spend that much money to get them? And that's why it's kind of interesting that you and I both sort of stumbled upon uh, watching Top Gear. I know um, when I stumbled upon it, it was in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, somewhere around there. Um, wife and I always enjoy watching British television. We have BBC America, and uh, and so I just had flipped it on. And it was interesting. But I tell you, the real key, I think, to Top Gear's popularity, because it didn't... I watched a few episodes and then said, hey, family, you've got to watch this. Mm -hmm, And what what the segment that that solidified everyone becoming obsessed with the show was this one where uh, Clarkson gets the world's smallest car, that little blue thing that was made in the Isle of Man mm-hmm. and he's driving it to work and then he drives it into the BBC building and is driving it all around inside the building while people are working and it was just this hilarious funny little thing, and it was like oh this is this is more than just learning about fast cars and and talking about car culture, uh, there's a lot of funny and interesting stuff that goes on with it.
1: Yeah, I was at an obligatory family event. We had driven up to New York, uh, I don't know, probably r- around the same time, sometime between 2007 and 2009. And I was like, okay, this group of people's off doing that. This other group are having a family meeting, uh, of which I am not a part because they were in-laws, not actual family. And so the it was showing on the television nobody was in the room and it was one of their big challenge episodes where either they were doing one of the cross country things where they were you know putting their their cars through the paces or it was we have left all level of sanity and we're like cutting across Africa or something um and I was like oh okay I can watch this and then it switched to Oh, guys rubbing their engines and zipping around a track. And I was like, well, that's not so interesting. But the commentary was cool. Uh, So it's a car show, but and while the cars are sort of hooks, they're not the stars of the show. And in this case, we are talking about the original uh, top gear with these three gentlemen, um, which now changed completely because they're no longer with the BBC. But I, I imagine we'll get to that here in a minute.
0: Right. Now, just for point of clarification, there's actually been two sort of generations of Top Gear. Three, I guess, if you consider the most recent things. There was an original Top Gear show that ran from 2000, actually it ran from like 1977 or something. It was an old show and it was basically just there to tell you, you know, here's the latest Toyota Corolla and we're going to review it kind of things. Uh, Around 2005, 2006, it started sort of or it came back, I guess, in two thousand two, and then around two thousand five, two thousand six, it started turning into what became the modern Top Gear. Um, up until the point where they they ended the contract with the three three main stars and moved on to the other people. One other aspect about Top Gear that I think really needs to be talked about before we sort of jump into it, and it's the reason that I can watch yet another you know, two hundred thousand dollar hypercar race around a track and listen to somebody tell me about it. You mentioned the commentary, which was excellent. The cinematography on this show is also amazingly phenomenal. Yes. The I mean, let's face it, there's only so many ways you can show a car screaming around a track, right? But they come up with some amazing things. And it is just a beautiful show to watch. In addition to just under, you know, being entertained by it,
1: right? Well, if you've ever uh, watched like any of the Marvel movies and you look at one snapshot and you go, "Ah, that's a comic book cover there," right? Well, there mm-hmm. are many times in the Top Gear episodes we go, "Oh, that's a poster for your wall right there." They want you to yes. put that as your screensaver. They want you to use that beautiful image, and they have filmed it and and polished that to just just so it's squeaky, squeaky, squeaky because it's uh, it's amazingly. Uh, it's 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 a, just a beautiful thing, but we, I could probably turn the volume off and Connie, my wife, would watch it with me. But otherwise, she really sort of dislikes the we are zipping around a track and watching the guy spin and burn tires, you know. Right.
0: I, I always remember the episode where James May is riding with a professional rally car driver in uh, New Mexico or California yes. desert somewhere and as they're racing around this track there's also a guy racing a motorcycle and uh, you know a dirt bike and at the same time there's an airbase nearby and a C130 takes off and they have this most amazing scene where the all at the same time the car goes one way the bike is doing a jump and the plane's taking off another direction beautiful beautiful cinematography so even if you don't care about right. cars, it's certainly worth watching just for the cinematography.
1: And, and I have to say oh. that that, that, is, that is absolutely true that the, the look of both of these shows, Top Gear and the new one that they've got Grand Tour, uh, is pretty darn cool.
0: Yes. So let's talk about the main characters and we'll kind of talk about some of the things they do in the show. So uh, the first one, of course, is Jeremy Clarkson. The baldest uh, so he's a, orangutan you will ever meet. Yes, yes. Uh, never attempts to be more than he thinks he is, <laughs> or never attempts to be more than he really is. Um, now, he professionally is a presenter, a journalist, a, a, an automotive journalist, um, and is uh, always wanting to make... He's like Tim Taylor, or you know Tim Allen's old uh, character. He wants to make things bigger, faster, and louder.
1: <laughs> yes. And, yeah, I'm, actually, that's a great... A great thing, and, you know, I really like the Tim Allen character, uh, from Tool Time, uh, mm-hmm. and from Home uh, what, yeah, from Home Improvement. From Home Improvement, the no, Tool Time was the name of his show on Home Improvement, the show, but any anyway, different, different episode of Inverse Genius, all right. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he is kind of a buffoon, he is opinionated, uh, he is kind of the character I play on on board games. <laughs> yep, that uh, sounds about right, <laughs> and you know a uh, very boisterous very opinionated uh you know i don't know really what else to say except for his uh, his reach ever exceedeth his grasp yes definitely
0: um the next one is richard hammond he is a former like radio dis- dj or news reporter anyway he had radio background uh and eventually came on here and uh he's he is the shortest of the three, and so he gets a little bit of ribbing for that. But he tends to side with with James or with uh, Jeremy Clarkson. They tend to kind of team up. Well, it depends. Uh, it occasion. very
1: much depends on uh, you know it, th- their dynamic isn't fixed. I guess is the is the way. True, put true, it. true. Um, that uh, there's they are they feel on screen. And I understand off screen they are not that close, but on screen they uh, at least especially back in Top Gear is it was sort of the opportunity for two of them to rib another one about any given thing that, that it worked so well uh, that, that it didn't eat. And he's 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 risked his life for this show and for other car-related activities uh, more than once.
0: More than once, indeed. In fact, there was one time where they were racing a, a dragster, and yep. uh, he he got seriously injured in doing that and uh, postponed some of the show as he healed up. And then, then – I think there was a motorcycle accident later on too,
1: and in uh, the Grand Tour, uh, they were doing some dune buggy stuff, and and that was perilous and whatnot. And the other thing is that he sort of most closely represents the American viewpoint. Uh, he's got a love yeah. of American muscle cars. He's got a a, a a a pretend sort of mocking love of you know cowboy boots, cowboy hats, you know, and, and all things that that sort of flow from. The the American appreciation of the automobile, which is very different, I think, than the British appreciation for an automobile.
0: Yeah, and actually, that's a good thing that you brought up because this show takes pride in its Britishness, uh, and and that makes it a lot of fun as well.
1: Even when they're making fun of Britishness,
0: even yeah, even when they're making fun of themselves, they are they are staunch staunch Britons. Uh, the last person in the group, and he is. Uh, well, he's the most interesting one and that is James May. Now he was also a a uh, automotive uh, yeah, journalist,
1: automotive journalist yeah. reviewer. Thank you. Um, so, and actually he was he's been with I think with Top Gear more longer than Hammond, I believe, but I'm not sure.
0: No, it's the other way around. Is it? Are you sure? Okay. Well,
1: Hammond's the youngest one, so so yeah. uh, he's been with James the World. James May the...
0: came on the second se- series. They ah. had another guy before him. Gotcha. But okay. then he came on. Although, I guess I take... He did work on the old format show. So, it's hard to say. And he's, anyway.
1: he's a writer, and he probably knows the most about
0: cars. Most scientific, definitely. His nickname um, on the show is the, Captain Slow. Yes, exactly. And I honestly had to look up and see if he was related to um, Brian May from Queen. But, no, he's not. But they do look similar. <laughs> hmm. So, but yeah, he's the one, he's the one that uh, does indeed at least appear to know more than most people, uh, but uh, knowledge and execution are often sometimes in between.
1: Right, right, right. Uh, So, so those are the main characters. And then there's a whole cast of folks uh, beyond that. And in fact, the most famous of which is the one whose identity we're not supposed to know.
0: That is true. He is their tame racing driver called the Stig.
1: The Stig, right? And so uh, he's this um, omnipresent uh, character that sort of uh, keeps the group in line, in theory, because whenever they should hear that he's there, they they get all mock fearful, and uh, they'll have him test the uh, test cars out around their track. And their track is another character in the show, uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd you'd almost have to agree with that. Yes. Yes and uh, he will sometimes be there on the challenges or his cousin um like american stig or you know danish stig or whatever depending on where they are they'll say it's not the stig but it's stig's russian cousin blah 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 yep
0: exactly and so the the main use of the stig in reality is that they have a a superior racing driver to put these cars through their tests and also kind of give some, some character for them to all sort of play off of as well.
1: Now, so you know a bit more about the history of the Stig than I do. Uh, of the people who have played the Stig, were they known racing drivers and were they names besides being the Stig? Or was that their claim to fame? Uh,
0: yes. The ones that I know of were known racing drivers. Um, probably the most famous one uh, is Ben Collins. He was uh, the Stig for quite a few seasons. and uh, But the whole, the whole thing with the Stig is that you're never supposed to really know who he is. Uh, and in fact, I think Ben got into some trouble uh, for revealing that he was the Stig, like, you know, contractual issues and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, but what's beautiful is it that then you can, anybody can claim to be the Stig. And in fact, at one point, I had a t-shirt that says, I am the Stig. Mm. And my son had a t-shirt that says, my dad is the Stig. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was sad when he outgrew that shirt. But anyway. And then, yeah, you mentioned the track. Uh, So the track that they race on is actually an airfield. It's – they use just part of it to do their laps. And it's essentially a figure eight. uh, But there's quite a few little curves in there. And each curve has a different number – or excuse me, a different name. And they race around this track, and when they have a, te- a car to test, they'll race it around this track and use it to compare to other cars of you know, within that same sort of thing. So the Stig drives this on the same track, and everyone races around, and then you can you can say, oh, the Mercedes is faster than the BMW, or or however else it all ends up. Right, and the their leaderboard of uh, lap times
1: is kind of interesting, and they they put a great deal of stock by this board is unscientific as it is because we now know that they're not all the same sticks, right?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, true, but they do tend to, uh, if they, re- if they change anything, whether it's a Stig or the track itself, they do reset all the laps.
1: Right, right, right. And,
0: and there's actually some criteria for them to be what they call a power lap. And that is the car has to be something you can drive on the road. Street it remote? has to have, uh, it has to be com- commercially available. You have to be able to actually purchase it. Although that's, you know, a lot of times with these hypercars, they're only making a $1,000. they are already s- spoken for. But that still counts because people are able to buy it, just not you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it yeah. has to be able to negotiate a speed bump because... Otherwise, these cars, you know, get so low, if they can't do a speed bump, then they aren't necessarily roadworthy.
1: And they wouldn't do so well around that track if they weren't able to go over a speed bump, I don't think.
0: Yeah, that's true, true. And so uh, they may still run it around the car, on the track, but they won't necessarily uh, make it count. You know, it won't go on their list. The other thing that's interesting is that, you know, taking place in England, it rains a lot. And... They don't really stop the testing for rain. So they'll race around the track and they'll indicate that this is a wet lap. And so obviously the times for wet laps are sort of competing against other wet laps and dry laps are competing against other dry laps.
1: You know, and I think, and of course I've got no proof of this, but it, it feels like if they if they think a car that they like isn't going to do so well, that they will hold it for a wet day when they're doing uh, their yeah, shooting. It could be. Uh, Um, and so, yeah, and and it's weird because they do, it's pretty obvious that they do their shooting in blocks. So it's like, they're going to go out this day and they're going to do like four cars. So you'll see that if they're doing their racer, you know, a star and over in a reasonably priced car or this or whatever, that a batch of them are all going to have sort of the same weather. And so, you know, even if they spread them out throughout that sequence, uh, you know, that, that series, that they were probably all filmed on the same day.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned starring a reasonably priced car. And this is another little sequence they do. They'll have a celebrity come in and they'll be promoting something and they'll talk about, talk with a celebrity about their, their car history and and car related things. And then they'll put them in a, a reasonably priced car and, and it's changed over the years, but it's your basic sedan. And they, although it's, it's got roll cages and all kinds of race stuff, but it's, Power-wise, I think it's pretty much your standard sedan, and then they race around the track against other other celebrities, and they get their own little uh, little wall to see who's fastest than who, and and uh, if they ever change the car, they reset all the times and and start over again, and that's that's always kind of fun. Uh, if the people that they have on the show are into that kind of thing, if they're like, oh, I'm just not really that good of a driver, it's not really that fun of a segment. Yeah. Um, well, so it's kind of like
1: it's kind of neat because. They, you, they have on the, the star and they'll talk about, well, what was your first car or, you know, that kind of thing. And now with the new series with, uh, with Chris, Chris, Chris Evans as the new host or was for last season uh-huh. and, and Matt LeBlanc is they would talk about what was your best car that you ever had and what was the first car that you ever had and those kinds of things. Um, but that, that you get to know, you know, a little bit of. You know, informal discussion with a star, and then they, they they whip around the lap. And quite honestly, the laps are kind of boring, and the narration of them is almost always kind of eh, unless they go off the road or, or they spin out yeah, well, something or something unexpected like that happens. Um, but uh, you know, of course, that's when the narration chops of the presenter really matters uh, quite a bit. And now, instead of just doing a, a their best lap, it's it's a rally lap because they've got mud and they've got uh, you know some off-road stuff that's occurring which is interesting but once again throws any measure of equal uh you know a balance yeah. out because well oh, if it's any we had it, this much water in the rally course this time and next time it was different and it's never going to match.
0: Yeah, with well, any consolation with the latest series they've abandoned all of that and gone back to just only on the track. Oh, I like the rally laps. It,
1: I thought they were more interesting, eh, but you eh,
0: know. They, they it went longer. And yeah, I don't know. The new one, they have a, a, a slightly faster car instead of a reasonably priced car. It's uh, I forget what they call it, but it's a oh, reasonably fast car. That's what they call it. Hmm. So
1: anyway, I'm surprised they didn't do a hot hatch series.
0: No kidding. And oh, speaking of hot hatch, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about Clarkson Hammond and May is that you know they're driving Ferraris and Porsches and and you know Bugattis and all these kinds of things but they still can appreciate other cars like they'll do a segment on hot hatchbacks and Talk about how fun it is and, you know, give it a a reasonably good comparison. Because let's face it, if you're going to take a Hyundai Velocitor and compare it to the Porsche you drove last week, you know, they're they're night and day. But if you are comparing a Hyundai Velocitor with like a Ford Focus Rally version or something, now suddenly you have a more interesting thing. And so they are really good about looking at the vehicle within its class, its category.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's very important. And they also they, they would d- occasionally do feedback from from their viewers, who which is probably made up by an intern, um, where they'll get grief <laughs> for not doing stuff that people can have afford, right? And so then they right. will go, make a whole bit out of bringing out the cheapest piece P O S cars that they could find, and 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 putting them through their paces and abusing them through whatever challenges they might have. And then later they might do uh, somebody complaining about that segment so that they have the opportunity to say, well, okay, fine. We're going to, uh, uh, we're going over to the Arab Emirates, the UAE, and we're going to drive, you know, the largest, uh, version of any Hummer that you've ever seen, you know, or what have you. Right. And it's just so that they could swing the show back and forth. And that's sort of where the fun, we've talked about a lot of the technical stuff here, but what we haven't mentioned to a great degree is my favorite segments are either that's yep either the stupid challenges, you Mm -hmm. know, um, which might be, you know, how many, how, how quick is it to get this entire band of mariachi people into your car? Um, and then, and then do some sort of obstacle course and, you know, end up somewhere in Wales versus, uh, you know, doing power slides and how far you can power slide this particular car, um, without going over the edge of a cliff.
0: Yeah, yeah, the two two best segments, I think, on their show, and not every show has every segment, but are are the challenges, like you've mentioned, and also the races. So the challenges, like you said, can be anything. One of my favorite ones was uh, driving this insanely long distance on one tank of gas. So they all got to pick what kind of car they wanted, and they had to go like 500 miles on a tank of gas, and none of the cars had that range, and it was interesting to see which ones would make it. And Clarkson ended up right outside Chernobyl. Yeah. Oh, that that was a different race, or that was a different segment I w- than I was thinking of, but yeah, you're right, he did. <laughs> so, And then the other the other segment they have are, are their races, and they'll do stuff like, uh, uh, you know, getting from one point in England to, an- or in London to another point, and one guy will drive, one guy will take a boat, one guy will take public transportation, one guy will take a bike, and they'll kind of do these different types of races and see who can make it first. And you know, I, I, it's, it's not anything definitive proof-wise, but it is always interesting to see, you know, who's going to do what and what kind of things happen while they race. Or well, Let me clarify. Like one time they
1: – Let me clarify something. Say that. You, say, you say that there's nothing definitive proof. And I'm going to tell you right now, those segments are full of lies, all right? Okay, yes. There's absolutely no way that that is a good measure of a guy on a train – who guys taking you know trains and buses versus a guy on a motorcycle versus a guy in a luxury car all right that's not the point of it we're not pretending that this is real it's it's the professional wrestling of challenges for cars um but uh it is hilarious and it's a lot of fun to watch the segments and try and figure out where they cut the edits to actually pretend that there is a challenge (laughs) going on i think
0: yeah and then a lot of times they'll do things where they'll create vehicles to meet certain requirements and of course the most famous is where they wanted to go across the english channel oh yeah so they built cars and they actually had to do it twice because the first time none of their vehicles made it uh and then the second time one of them ultimately was able to to traverse the channel Um, but i mean those are just some amazing things and you learn a little bit of science along the way as well
1: if you're not careful you certainly do and then my my favorite one is sort of the next the next one this is the one that i can always get kind of to watch and it's the it's the big tour pieces where they're trying to get from basically the East coast of South America to the West coast of South America, you know, and mm-hmm. they, they have to uh, survive. They've got to fin for themselves. There might be challenges along the way, or it might be a, yeah, just see if you can get to here and survive the night kind of thing. Um, and, uh, that was, <laughs> that was pretty intense when they were, uh, in Peru, basically, I think it was, and Argentina the great, and, the, and the great heights. Oh, well that's a different one. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yes. Argentina. They, they, they caused riots. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it wasn't, weren't they in, uh, Peru yep, when you're right uh, with Peru, they, they, mm-hmm. they had to turn back because the lack of oxygen was keeping them from thinking straight and messing with the performance of their vehicles. And yeah. no, no matter how many, <laughs> no matter how many tabs of Viagra they took, they just couldn't get enough oxygen into their blood. <laughs> Um, so,
0: <laughs> and, and what's what's great about those those tours is that they go to some amazing amazing places. I mean, you know, when they race through the desert in the Sahara, or or um, go to the North Pole in one episode, or build a better what was it a better um, snowplow for Finland and and with flamethrowers and stuff on it. I mean, you see such amazing places that you didn't either know existed or ever seen or when they uncover like a lot of times when they're in South America they really uncover some amazingly beautiful areas
1: yeah and and they've done some where they ended up like at the Afghanistan border or, or whatnot and there you see and you know I understand that they might be playing it up in some cases their fear of whatever's going on but they got chased out of a place here in the US because yep. uh, they, they decorated their cars weird. And, and I'm sure some of it was, hey, could you guys come and give us a hard time for the camera? Um, or, uh, you know, some of it's probably very real uh, because they've, they've tried to get into places where they were told, you know, you're a British citizen. You're not allowed to go there. Right. A, a United Kingdom citizen, I guess, rather, is what I should say. But whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's all very exciting. And it's it's sort of, I don't know. It spurs the imagination. Let's just say that.
0: Definitely. I mean, it's like a travel log with a lot of interesting and or funny things happening.
1: And occasionally, uh, you know, uh, Clarkson will say some off-color remarks. Uh, you know, he'll poke fun at a, um, you know, at a minority, at a concept of this or that. Uh, you know, so, you know, it may not, if you're 100% wed to, uh being politically correct. It may not be the, uh, the appropriate thing for you, but I think, you know, now we've gotten far enough into the discussion that we can, we can talk about what happened to them and why they're not on top gear anymore.
0: Yeah. So, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Jeremy Clarkson does occasionally say things. Now, sometimes I feel it gets stretched a little bit and sometimes he just steps right into it, but he's not a kind of person that doesn't, that, that thinks too much before he speaks. <laughs> And uh, as you mentioned, he had been getting uh, getting into trouble for you know, ridiculing environmental issues or casual racism. I think is probably the way they kind of kind of say it. And right. he's been he's been warned a lot. But there was also that issue of you know, Top Gear is a major money maker for the BBC, and so you know, what, it was, their, really what was their it
1: was their largest money maker, uh, which is why he thought he could get away with stuff.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, he discovered that uh, that, that wasn't the case. There was an episode they were filming, and uh, it, it apparently had been a very trying and tedious episode, and things went on late in the night. And he got into an argument with one of the other uh, staff members of the show because yeah, the, the producer he didn't or something. Producer, right? Because the they didn't have a uh, food for him, or what he wanted to eat wasn't available. The kitchen was closed, and uh, he turned around and popped him in the mouth. He popped the producer in the mouth with his fist, and that was the end. And right now, it was. It, go ahead. Go ahead. It was interesting in the fact that at the mat, at that moment, BBC immediately stopped filming. They still had more episodes to do, and so the last episode. That aired in that season was just Hammond and May, talking. You know, showing the last film that they had already done, uh, and Clarkson was not there at all. And they basically just kind of wrapped everything up and said good night. Right.
1: That's when you kind of knew they weren't kidding that this this was this was over. Uh, though yeah. I thought the timing on it was interesting because his contract was coming up for renewal, or or had just been but May's and Hammond's contracts were also sort of coming due around that period of time. And yeah, I, I, I think that, and you got, you know, you can't prove this um, unless somebody has done more investigative journalism than we are capable. Uh, but I suspect that this whole exit thing was not completely unplanned, though. I think I could tell because they showed one of the episodes where they had had a real trying time. And I just was certain that that was probably the one where if I had to come back from that day and they didn't have food or something ready for me, I might very well have been a predatory animal as well. Uh, because it is much as it is a stupid car show, there are some exceptionally grueling episodes.
0: There are indeed. And don't forget, I mean, this is a, a very expensive show to produce and there are, you know, 20, 30, 40 people driving the remotes of the Andes Mountains or whatever uh, to, to get these incredibly amazing shots. Uh, and at some point with a contract renewal up, I'm curious if the BBC just didn't think they wouldn't be able to really afford it anyway. If they agreed, you know, if they made a, an agreement with uh, Clarkson... To uh, to do you know x number of more shows and then with Hammond and and May uh, you know it may not just even be profitable for them anymore so they opted just not to renew the contract um, right so and that was the end of that but it had a big blowout
1: and there was all like oh my gosh can you believe what this guy did and yeah it was bad and if if it, if it all fell out the way they said it did then it's a horrible thing and you should never treat people who work for you uh, the way that he treated uh, this guy who was on their staff. Uh, just, uh, yeah. or maybe, maybe he was on there. So st- I don't know exactly how that works. Who owns what, um, uh, from, from the show, I guess it all, it all belongs to the, to, to the BBC really is, is the point. Um,
0: there, well, there's stuff, well, I don't know. There's stuff in the backside background as well, that different things are owned by Clarkson and Hammond and May as well. Um, and that all got sort of ironed out, uh, after they were let go.
1: Right. Um, and so, yeah, then Clarkson and Hammond, they chose to not to renew their things.
0: So they didn't get fired. Hammond and May, yeah. Hammond and May decided that if Clarkson's not going to be there, we're kind of done as well.
1: Which I think was probably the right choice on their part.
0: Um, I think so, too. And it also, I think it showed, because I mean, these, these aren't like three guys that hang out with each other all the time, right? I mean, they're, they're friendly with each other, but they're not, you know, close buddies, and so I thought that that was a pretty uh, a pretty stand up thing for both of them to do.
1: I don't I don't think I think that they realized just that that's where the money was, is that following him yeah. was where was where the money was, and it's it's the other well, that thing that makes me think that probably it was planned out, um, because this this they could have stayed on and they could have been you know the new faces of Top Gear and had more creative control over the uh, over the episodes that happened on the BBC. But, uh, yeah, they, they chose not to. And, and so do we want to talk now about their new show? or do we want to talk about the, uh, the new BBC uh, incarnation of Top Gear quickly?
0: Well, let's real quickly jump into the new BBC incarnation, because we'll be able to cover this quite quickly. So there's been two seasons since then. The first season was the whole new revamping of Top Gear. And instead of three hosts, we're going to have how many, Don? Like seven yeah feels like it. All right. So okay.
1: who are the hosts of the new Top Gear? Well, in season 1, you had Chris Evans who was kind of like a comedian guy and radio show host or something?
0: Yeah, something like that. He was also a big car car fan as well. Right. And um, then you got who? Matt LeBlanc, Joey from Friends. Now, he's actually been doing some shows over in Britain as well and he is what you would call a legitimate car guy as well. He was really into cars. He is. And
1: his, I was very impressed with how well they put up that he put up with the hazing that he got when he was on that show. Yes, definitely. So it was, it was pretty neat. And, and I was expecting to think he was the weak link where it was pretty obvious that Chris Evans was sort of out of his depth. And yes, that I think, okay. So when you had the three primaries leave the show, you start up again, you have, you still have the amazing top gear cinematography. You have the great Mm -hmm. sound work. You have all the cool sets and all the props, but it felt like you brought in a lot of freshmen to sort of be on camera.
0: Yes, that is an excellent, excellent example. Um, They also brought in Sabine Schmitz. Now she's a German driver. Uh, She had been in previous episodes where they tried to take a van around the Nuremberg ring as fast as possible and, from all, I don't know anything about her personally, but from all I've seen on the show, she is an amazing uh, driver as well.
1: And she's, she's a very, has a very impressive presence as well. But yeah, her driving, they had an episode where uh, they were here in the US and they had some fighter pilots with the dr- the drivers from the show. And she was one of the drivers where they put on a missile lock on rig on the cars and you were trying to get a lock on on the other car. And she made her fighter pilot throw up
0: yes yes and, and she was fine <laughs> yes and so she's uh,
1: brilliant and she, she yeah she's gives them a hard time as necessary uh i understand she didn't get along with chris evans
0: too well so hopefully well, now that he's well, gone, as we'll talk about i don't think many people did um there was also eddie jordan <laughs> now eddie he's a character so eddie jordan's most famous for being a formula one racer and owning jordan racing uh very accomplished formula one racer uh you know definitely definitely a man who has earned his status but uh, for whatever reason in the show they just played him off as this goofy old guy that that uh i don't know it, oh, it seemed like yeah, a cure. so
1: he was the the guy with the irish accent or whatever
0: right right yeah. and then they had two other people they have uh chris harris who is a, a very good driver as well uh, and they also had, uh, what was it, Rory Reed. And now, Rory Reed is like a TV presenter. He's also a motoring journalist. But he uh, was mostly on this other show they had, which was called Top Gear Extra, which is just other Top Gearish stuff that they didn't put on the main show you could just download and watch. But his presence, his likability really, by the end of this season, they ended up bringing him more into, uh, into the show because he's a very likable and, and interesting guy.
1: And he did a neat thing. He was the, the guy who drove the Jag, right? hmm So yeah, the way back when, when Jag was uh, taking a, a car to a car show, some guy did this endurance little thing to get it from the factory to where it goes, which I think is, is pretty bold with a Jag in any case. Um, yes, <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, it was, you said it was Rory Reed, right? Um, he, yes. he recreated that event and just that spending that time with him in the car was one was like, why is he not, one of the main hosts. He could be yep. the Hammond of the group. He really could be. Exactly, exactly.
0: So there was, they, they redid a bunch of other stuff. They had two st- celebrities out and they redid a bunch of, th- anyway, it, it really, there was a lot of things they messed with to be different that didn't ultimately work. And the main one for that was Chris Evans. He, his, my problem with him was he didn't really seem to know much about cars. He, he also was throwing up when they were doing some test drives. Uh, mm-hmm. And he just yelled a lot. He, you know, when we were used to hearing a lot of uh, interesting comparisons in, in, in a car, he would just be, ah! And it right. just got to be kind of frustrating. Which
1: is fun and when you're a guest like, on a show. But it's not a yeah. fun when you are the host and you're there every time.
0: Yeah, and he apparently also has a habit of exposing himself. Um, so, needless to say, after the first season, he was let go. They retooled it a little bit. So, now the new series that has just recently uh, aired on BBC America, uh, Matt LeBlanc is the main main host. Uh, Chris Evans and Rory, I'm sorry, Chris Harris and Rory Reed are sort of the the two side hosts. And there's a, a really good r- rivalry between Matt LeBlanc and Chris Harris mm-hmm. and uh, Roy Reed kind of ends up playing kind of in the middle, and uh, I got to say it's working pretty well. They're still, uh, you know, I'm still looking to get a little more personality out of them, but it is definitely working well, and uh, I've certainly enjoyed this series as well. Now Sabine does show up quite a few times as well as does Eddie Jordan, so they're not completely out of it, but they're not. There's they're back to just kind of three hosts, three yeah. main hosts. Yeah. Well.
1: They're, they're, they're making efforts. And I really think that, uh, Chris Evans could have been in a second season. You know, he could have developed into a much better host. I don't know what he was thinking that he could step into the role as primary host, not get a tremendous amount of backlash and carry on. It's almost like they said, you know, we're just going to throw this guy in for a season. We know he's not going to be the guy. Mm hmm. Um, but we need to get past this period, and we know he's not going to suck at it, so we're going to bring him in. And then if he is amazing, we'll keep him. But if he's not, we'll move him out of the way. But we'll already have this other group of people that we can pull on. And that's sort of what they felt, you know, they 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 should have known that that first yeah. replacement isn't going to be isn't going to necessarily be the guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Really, you're absolutely right. That first that first new season was doomed because it's half the people will complain that it's not what it was and the other half are going to complain that they changed too much and uh so um and so yeah so now it's it's going on and and we'll see what happens moving on to the Hammond Clarkson May side yep. uh, as I'm sure you probably know uh Amazon said hey you know what we'd like you guys to do a car show for us <laughs> mm and so they did. And that show is called The Grand Tour. Because they had to get the initials G and T in there just
1: to tweak uh-huh. BBC's nose, I think. I think,
0: yeah, there's a lot of tweaking of the BBC because contractually there are certain things they could not do on their new car show. Yep,
1: like have in celebrities.
0: Yes, exactly. So... Let's let's just get right to the chase. The Grand Tour is almost exactly like Top Gear. There oh. are a few
1: differences. Oh no. I d- you don't think so? Okay, so you you are correct for a certain value of correct. Um which <laughs> which is to say that, that you can certainly tell that this show would never exist without Top Gear, but a lot of the humor and a lot of the stuff that happened in Top Gear felt like it was, you know, a few guys who were doing stuff, and a lot of the humor that came out was sort of naturally occurring. I mean, I'm sure a lot more of it was scripted, right? But mm-hmm. the Grand Tour is so heavily scripted and so gag based that it is sort of off
0: putting at times. Okay. I can see that. They do, yeah. They, they, the non-studio segments definitely come off that way. And I'm I'm curious if that's, you know, now suddenly I don't have an army of BBC writers behind me. Um, I, I have, our, you know, another army of writers, but, you know, now much like the new series of Top Gear had to find its footing, perhaps the Grand Tour also needs to kind of find its footing because it was, you're absolutely right, it was pretty heavy-handed, a lot of what they ended up doing.
1: Well, and I mean, even the stuff in, in the tent, and I guess we should talk about format a little bit. So the grand tour is a traveling show that moves from place to place, almost every episode. And they set the tent up in their town and we think they do. Cause I guess, uh, but, but you never actually see outside the tent, even though they have a big video camera that says, this is what it looks like outside our tent. That that could be set up a thousand miles away and you'd have no <laughs> idea if that was the same location. I I'm a little skeptical. Let's just put it that way. Um,
0: Uh I'm not. I mean it's clear plastic on the outside. That is
1: that is not clear practice. That is not a a view, that is a screen. That's a video. I disagree.
0: disagree. But we'll find out. Who knows? One of us will be right and you'll be wrong.
1: Okay, (laughs) okay. I'm if I am wrong, I'm happy for it. So that's good. Um and then they they have these these introductions to each of their bits, which is a little more transitional like you'd expect expect from American television. Like they have this segment called Conversation Street which has an audio and visual clue that goes up on the things and you things happen and then you go into your segments. Um, mm-hmm. so so it is just a little more produced in certain ways. And uh but most of the the high quality video is still there. I don't think it's quite as good as top gear was, but I think it's close enough it, it, that it's, Yeah,
0: I can see it. They have um <laughs> Why don't, you, why don't you talk about Celebrity Brain Crash? <laughs> okay, so
1: Celebrity Brain Crash is one of the the running jokes that they have where they talk about this, hey, there's this great big fancy celebrity we're going to have on and it's always headliner, top top talent uh, who dies on the way yep. in.
0: My personal favorite was Kimi Raikkonen, famous F1 ri- driver, and uh, he's marching, because they're in Finland, he's marching through the snow and as he's walking up to the tent, you you look through the windows and they get horribly maimed and these wolves come out and just eat them up and kill them Yep. and spraying blood all against the tent and later on james may is cleaning it off (laughs) all right so i've got a question
1: back to is it real or is it not Mm -hmm. you think that that event actually happened there and it wasn't a projection it wasn't video no i mean i don't care whether it's fake or real you think it was faked at that point right then when people were watching and it wasn't something that was shot up on the screen
0: yeah I think so, because <laughs> whenever they show the bodies die, you know it's never the celebrity right it's just a it's a far off shot of a person, right, and so it's not like they're making the celebrity go through any of that they're just they 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 take a few few shots as a celebrity and they put those on the video screen. but the guy walking up to the tent or driving the boat up to the tent, you know that's just a stunt guy somewhere off in the distance hmm. yeah listeners. You tell us who you think is right, me or me or Don, <laughs> <laughs> or someone could actually research
1: it, but uh, that's not yeah. as important or as fun as just making stuff up. Um,
0: the they've key, got, though, to the Grand Tour is that they do still do those nice films, either their challenges or or races or just the the cinematography travel log type thing, that, uh, is almost you know verbatim lifted right out of of Top Gear.
1: Mm-hmm. And they've got their own track, the Boladrome, shows so named because. It looks kind of like uh, the Ebola virus. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and it has replaced the Top Gear track, which what do they, what was the name of the Top Gear track? What do they call that? Uh, I think they just call it the Top Gear test track. Okay. Um, and uh, the Ebola drone has, uh, you know, like the not, you know, the uh, old woman's house they not exactly straight. It's one of the turns. Yeah. Yep. And yep. The your name here are all the names of their different turns and stuff that they do. Uh and it's a, it's a weird shape and it's got some straights, it's got lots of curves and so it's designed to sort of put their cars through all of their paces.
0: Yeah. And the, and the track itself is fine. Um but unfortunately their replacement for the Stig uh I did not feel was as fine he's a nascar driver named mike skinner yep. but they just call him the american and i have nothing against him and as well but or him as a person but they really play up his you know rednecky american you know if it's not american it's crap and so he'll be making these kind of jokes as he's racing around the track but they're really not all that funny
1: <laughs> right it's a if you felt like they said well what's the most scottish stereotype we can make and now let's turn him into an american um yeah exactly you know and <laughs> uh he's uh, yeah I, I don't like him at all and i i'm telling myself that it's not because they're making fun of america it's like i don't think i would like this guy you know if he were you know no matter what nationality they were but it did sort of feel like they were saying yes amazon's an american company uh in theory uh, we 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 want to show that we're not going to turn over and just you know the, do everything pro-American hooray hooray hooray
0: yeah and i think they're also trying to go for the polar opposite of the stig you know the the stig's big big shtick is that he never talks
1: no personality whatsoever except for standing there menacingly
0: right and so on the other side we've got an american who won't stop talking as he's driving so anyway it is what it is we'll be curious to see in the next series if he's still there or if they've changed that up yeah Um. Um, but anyway, it, 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 I still enjoy it. Uh, I actually enjoy the new series of Top Gear as well. Uh, it, it, it may start to be getting a little bit long in the tooth for me. I'm curious to see what next seasons will bring. And so let's, let's
1: talk about long in the tooth. Uh, Clarkson and May especially, um, but also Hammond, are not young, no. <laughs> All right. And so the new the new incarnation of Top Gear is sort of designed in such a way where you've got more people who are personalities on the show. So uh, the presentation workload can be spread out over other people. And if they do any of the really big challenges that, you know, who knows who's going to be a part of that. All right. Um, I thought it fell, fell short when you really only had two, when you had uh, LeBlanc and Evans doing stuff. Right, um, right. But um, so that it seems like they are sort of future proofing top gear where grand tour is exactly the opposite. You've got three old dudes with, you know, not even a pretense at diversity who are telling, you know, or doing basically high school level skits with a huge budget. Um, you know, like when they played battleship with cars as the, as the, (laughs)
0: as the as the pegs that they were dropping them on caravans
1: (laughs) right that you're like oh okay so you are just at this point throwing money away as best you can so let's let's keep that up Uh, that that is this going to be just two or three seasons and then they're out and amazon's going to make a boatload of cash off of it or do you think that they'll do something in upcoming seasons to sort of because i mean their their bones have got to ache when they did their their coast of africa uh you know tour that Uh was that was tough to watch yeah i agree i mean it was great Um, to watch but i mean it, it it i just i could feel how how pained and tired they were
0: yeah i honestly feel that without the three of them there is no grand tour so i think they'll do it until they decide they don't want to do it anymore could be two years could be four years um and then they'll just shut it down and quietly retreat to their mansions because they're all fabulously wealthy now. Yeah. Okay.
1: So in theory, I mean, like right this second, you're a hundred percent correct, but they could bring in some people to sort of pad the ranks a little bit and slowly, slowly lessen their, their, their thing. And, and it could, instead of being a three or four year run, it could turn into another dynasty.
0: Um, it could, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if they want it to, because you know they had it with Top Gear, but then they were sort of kicked out of it.
1: Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. So I'd like to see something, or or at least see see Top Gear get back up to a point where I cared enough to have them do more of that. So uh, let us know what you think about this. Uh, you know, both the Grand Tour and the Top Gear. Also, are there any other auto shows that you think sort of hit the appropriate Measure of awe and wow versus irreverence and snarky, which I think is really where top gear sits. It's like on those four categories, you know, yep. the intersections just right at the right place for me. Um, that, you know, are there any other shows out there that you think are good? I mean, I watched an episode of what was it? Australian top gear. I was like, okay, they don't mm-hmm. have it yet. You know, I think I watched an American top gear or something. Once upon a time still didn't, yep. didn't hit that mark for me. Yeah, I agree.
0: Cool. Well, uh, I'm excited to have talked about this with you, Don. Thank you, thank you for joining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's neat. I I don't usually
1: uh, have an excuse to talk car stuff. Like I said, it's not my thing. But um, this show is is a comedy show, is much or more than it is a car show.
0: Yeah, it's a comedy show with some car bits in between. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. Cool. So, well, um, so
1: if you, uh, oh no, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Inverse Genius. You can find out more about Inverse Genius and those of us on the show by heading over to inversegenius.com you can also find more of our other shows like on board games on rpgs games in schools and libraries on minis games and we also host the room escape divas so if you like escape rooms go check them out as well Uh, i'm donald dennis
0: and i'm eric dewey and you've been listening to inverse genius that's it for this episode of the inverse genius podcast the inverse genius podcast is licensed under creative commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives 3.0 license thank you